0: Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9:30 a.m. or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. So need to see how God works, and even in um, organizing the music. I didn't talk with uh, the music team at all, but how appropriate the songs are that we're singing this morning to go along with the message for today. Um, just thinking about the words uh, to the second-to-last song that we sang: "Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down." And so, my question for you today, as we spend the next few minutes in His Word. So when was the last time you went and visited Jesus for the sole purpose of bowing down and worshiping him? We're coming out of a busy, crazy, joyous, exhausting holiday where families in, errands are run, food is cooked, presents are opened, bought, returned, Um, And yet, when we think back to the first Christmas, there was people doing things. They were busy. But what were they doing? I think about some very specific people who traveled very far to go and visit with Jesus. And you know what they did when they visited him? They worshipped him. They gifted him. They didn't bring with with them a list of things that they wanted, that they needed. They didn't bring their problems. They didn't bring their requests. They brought their love. They brought their worship, and they laid it at his feet. So today, not just during the Jesus is the reason for the season time period, but every day of 2020, will you be going to Jesus with a heart of worship? Or will it be the same lists, the same problems, the same desires, which he begs us and tells us and commands us to take to him, but more than anything that he is deserving of, it is our worship. So I think next week someone will be preaching on Matthew 2, 9 to right to 12 or whatever. So just touching on that as the kind of, the prequel, Um, Matthew 2, 9 to 11. uh, After the wise men departed from the king, they said, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I mean, he uses that, like so many superlatives there to show that they're extremely happy. Why? Because of their new gift, Well, yes, the gift of Jesus, but no, they're exciting to come and worship Jesus, and when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Now, I know this is extremely difficult for us, because we live in a culture where we don't worship like that, right? We worship, you know? We put on the jersey, we stare at the screen, we yell at the screen, we jump, we celebrate. We we worship in ways. We worship people, we worship things, we worship teams, but in that time period when this is being written, everyone's pretty much used to a, guy, a big guy sitting on a throne who is all power and all authority, deserves our worship and respect to him, right? So that it was very easy for someone to throw themselves down on the ground and, and worship someone because that was, that was kind of just obvious that that's what you do. It was required. It was expected. And so for us, you know, as, as, as was stated with Ryan, we can be generous with more than just our money, we can be worshipful with more than just throwing ourselves on the ground. And so today, as we look at this and we think about this example, they fell down and they worshipped him and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So my question today is not are you doing this? But why you should. Why should you throw yourself down at the feet of Jesus and worship him? Rather than or more often than taking your requests before him, and that is because Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything, anyone, and that is why we must worship him. And so I just want to look at a short story today to, to remind us during this Christmas season, during January, February, and the rest of the months, why we should go to Jesus for the sole purpose of worshiping him. It's because he's better and he's worthy of our worship. So I want, to, I want you guys to open up your Bibles to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, we're just going to look at a few verses, at uh, a story about Jesus and his disciples. It's six verses, it's extremely interesting, and I just want a quick, quick look. So anytime you think of a story, you guys like stories, right? During Christmas, there's lots of stories that people tell. You got Rudolph, you got the Christmas story, you got Wonderful Life. They all got stories, and why? Why is a story a good story? Because it's you know it's got plot, it's got problems, it's got you know a setting. Um, and so I just want to take a look at that real quick. The author of the story that we're going to read about today, his name is Mark. Mark was not a disciple of Jesus. Mark was not walking around with Jesus, and yet he's writing a first-hand account. How is that possible? It's because he was really good friends with Peter and with Barnabas. They spent a lot of time with one of the best friends of Jesus. And so Peter, you know, just telling stories, telling everything about what happened with Jesus, and Mark's just, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, all right, okay. And he said, what? He did what? Okay, I'll write that down. And so what's really interesting is Mark is very detail-oriented, Not as much as Luke, but he's pretty detail-oriented, and we'll see that in the story. Jesus was laying on a pillow at the front of the ship. Why is that important? Because it's what happened. And so it actually gives us more proof and more evidence that what the Bible is telling us is true and it's correct, because otherwise it's just fruitless information that doesn't matter. But no, it matters because it's what happened. So Peter is telling everything what happened with him and Jesus to Mark, and Mark's writing all the details down. Now, let's look at the place. Where is this story being told? Where is the location? It's on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm sure you guys have read the story. You, you've read about the Sea of Galilee so many times, but that means nothing, right? It was a body of water in a place that you've never been. Well, Sea of Galilee is, is a very large lake. So think about this. Here to Quakertown, 13 miles. That's how long it is, right? So if you're standing on top of the church... You're trying to see Quaker Town. If you can see Quaker Town, that's like looking down the length of this lake. Pretty good size, right? All right, here to Bartow, as the bird flies, seven miles. That's how wide the lake was. Okay, so pretty good size lake. Sitting on the edge of the lake, we find in verse 1 is where Jesus is with his disciples. So, chapter 4, verse 1 says this He began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea, sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the sea, on the land by the sea. All right, so Jesus in a boat, lots of people standing on the land, overlooking a giant lake, and then this happens. Verse 35 of chapter four, on that day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to them, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd. They took him along with them, In the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. So, bunch of boats. Jesus is in a boat. They're like, he's like, hey guys, let's go over to the other side. Let's leave these people here. There's some people over there who need to hear hear about me as well. Let's go. So Jesus decides, this is what we're going to do. All right. So, would you say that's the same for you? You know, things happen in your life, and then all of a sudden, a decision is made. And then there's problems. And you're like, how did I get myself into this? Clearly, I think it was God leading me here. So did he make a mistake? Because I didn't sign up for this. You know, I, I spent three years in a place, and then it ended. And then the, it, since it's ended, there's been more problems. And then, and then we went to a place where, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of, but God used us. And I'm like, well, I mean, I think it was God who led me there, but why is he letting all this happen? It's because he's in control of Everything. And what's bad to us necessarily isn't bad to, to him because he is sovereign and he controls all things and he knows all things. So Jesus decides what's going to happen and he takes disciples to the other side. Verse 36, I'm sorry, verse 37, and there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. So at this point in time, all right, so we have the kids in the auditorium with us, so this is where I'm going to need your help. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take a look at this story in the next 15 minutes, but, but there's this correlation that I want you to see. There's this other person in the Old Testament whose name starts with J. He also was in a boat during a storm. Anybody be able to help tell me who that might be? Jonah. Okay, so if, you could, if you're under the age of maybe 18 or 80, whatever, and you feel young, um, uh, so can you also say Jonah? Okay, so we're going to make this correlation. So I'm going to be like, so just like Jesus was, there's was this other guy named? Okay, good. You got it. Okay? So there's a very similar story about a man who does a lot of the same things that Jesus is about to do. Okay? So just keep that in mind. All right? So they're in a boat. A big storm comes up. A great storm. In fact, the word used in the original Greek is not just like a thunderstorm rolled up. It was a hurricane is rolling through. Hurricane-like winds, extremely strong winds are shaking this boat, and it says the waves are coming into the boat. How many of you have been on a boat before? Okay. Uh, How many of you have been on a, um, like, bigger than, like, maybe, like, just a little, like, like the one you saw in the video where it's like, wah, 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 which they think is cool to do. Okay, so have you ever been on a boat in the water and a storm came up? Yes. How many of you thought it was cool? How many of you were terrified? Okay, so the disciples here, they're in this boat. The winds, it's a hurricane. The waves are big enough that they're going into the boat. So this is the circumstance that they find themselves. There was also another guy, his name was who is also on a boat going to the other side that he chose to get on rather than God deciding him to get on that boat. He got on a boat. He's in the boat. And a storm comes up. Okay? So you got that? The storm is so strong is because the, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater sea in all of the world. It's 700 feet below sea level. And so it's very low and the mountains around it are very high. Right? So you have hot air, cold air, they meet, big storms happen. And it's still happening to this day. If you talk to a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee and you're like, have you seen any big storms? they would be like, let me tell you. Big time storms, scared to death, big type of storms. Very similar storm fell on the ship that Jonah was on, okay? So we look at verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him, and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are dying? We are literally dying, and you're asleep on a cushion. So, um, on another boat, at another time, there was another man named (laughs) Asleep on a Cushion during a storm. He also was woken up by somebody going... We are in a storm in the ocean, and you're sleeping. Do you not care that we are dying? All right? So we have the same thing happening. So just as Jonah retired to sleep when the storm came, Mark also tells us that Jesus was asleep. And ironically, the only place we find in the Bible that Jesus was sleeping was on a boat in a hurricane. Just throwing that out there. And and you could just look at that as as a pointless information as well, or you could look at that as saying he trusted something or someone so much that a hurricane didn't face him a bit. And I think that's the case. He trusted and had so much confidence in his father in the midst of adversity, in the midst of the biggest problem possible, that he could lay his head down and go to sleep. And what's so cool about this is because we as children of the same father can do the exact same thing In the midst of whatever adversity or problem, we can lay our heads down and go to sleep. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us we can. Proverbs 3.24 says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. In the good times? No, the entire passage is about adversity and struggles and problems. But you can still lay your head down and have sweet sleep. This last year for me was not a sweet year. I didn't have a lot of sweet sleep. Not because God wasn't faithful and just, but I was trying to figure out how to control the situations that I had found myself in. But the Bible tells me, despite the circumstances, as verse 25 after 24 says, do not be afraid of sudden fear nor the onset of wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence. And so in confidence, you can lay your head down. And you can go to sleep and you can have sweet sleep because God is better than anything. Jesus is better than any problem that may arise. Psalm 3, 5 says, I lay down and slept and then I awoke. Why? Because the Lord sustains me. Because the Lord sustains me. I won't be afraid of 10,000 of people who have set themselves against me. You know, there's 10,000 10, people outside of the city coming to kill me. But I'm tired and I need to get my eight hours, so I'm gonna go to sleep now. And I can do that because I know that God is sustaining me and He's gonna protect me. And if I die, I die, but I'll be with Him. That's that confidence that Jesus is demonstrating to us. Now, was that the same confidence that the other guy, what was his name? Was he sleeping with? Oh, he was just tired. He was just tired. He was running. From the will of God, he was running from where God was telling him to go, whereas Jesus was taking the disciples to the very place they wanted to be. So we have veteran sailors on the ship where Jesus was, right? These are fishermen. The majority of them are fishermen. They spent their entire lives on the ocean, watching storms come and watching storms go. And you know what they were doing? <laughs> That's what they were doing. They were terrified. Same thing is happening, right? Joe, uh, what's the guy's name? Jonah was on a boat with a bunch of guys whose, their livelihood was to take things from one point to another point in a boat on the ocean. They've seen storms, and they were terrified. They made money by taking somebody's merchandise to another place. And you know what they were doing with that merchandise? (laughs) Tossing it into the ocean because they didn't care anymore. They just wanted to survive. That's the circumstance that they find themselves in. Same circumstance the disciples find find themselves in. They're terrified, and the disciples approach Jesus and say, "Do you not even care that we are about to drown? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way? Do you feel that way? Hey, I'm uh, about to go under. Do you care? I've been calling out for some time now. You know, things have been the, the the storm clouds have been coming and coming, and now they're here. Do you care?" Maybe this hasn't been a very good year for you. Maybe you've lost family members, you've lost jobs, you've lost hope. Does he care? Yep, he does. And believe it or not, he's probably leading you through this. Because he's gracious and he's kind. And he has amazing plans for you. And they may not be what you want. And you may lose loved ones. And you may suffer but it'll be worth it in the end because Jesus is better and he's worth it. Psalm 121 says, I looked to the heavens. I looked up to the mountains. Where's my help coming from? I don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't feel it. But then he remembers, my help comes from the Lord. The one who made the mountains, the one who made the storms, the one who made everything with the power He's the one who gives me my strength. He's the one that gives me my help. There's no equal. There's no another. So imagine speaking to the Son of God like that. I think we all have. The disciples were. You don't even care about us. We're dying. But what amazing humility, divine humility of Jesus shown here, of being tolerant of the ignorance of his disciples. And I'm so glad that he was tolerant to their ignorance because I know he's going to be tolerant of mine. Right? You idiots. (laughs) Idiots. You know, the same thing. Like I'm driving, and I'm like, you know, this guy just whips out in front of me, or he slams on the brakes, and nobody in Honduras has, has lights that work, or turn signals, but they wouldn't use them if they did. So it's always like this, or like swinging out, and I'm like, idiots. And so one day we're driving, and it happened, and I'm like, and I didn't say anything. I was just like, and I just hear from the passenger seat, idiot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, All right. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so Jesus, he's not like, maybe under his breath, he was like, idiots. Um, But his, his humility and kindness goes to show who he is. He's way better than me in traffic. He's way kinder than the kindest person you know. And he responds with grace and mercy. Instead of leaving disciples to die, to abandon them, he stands up. And he says this. He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Shh, shh hush, be still. And it's so cool. Like if you, you do look at the Greek, the Greek he, he's talking as like he's talking to a person, like a little kid's in class, and he's like, Shh, 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 shh shh, Johnny, it's not talking time. I'm the teacher. I'm talking. Be quiet. So it's like it's like he's talking to a person, he's giving an instruction. And the ocean's like, oh okay. And it's just, it's amazing because even like the terminology where it's just like, it became completely still, right? So if the wind's blowing, it makes the ocean move. If the wind stops blowing, guess what's still moving? The ocean, right? It takes some time to calm down. No, they were both just still. Why? Because Jesus is better than that. He's greater than that. He has more power than that. Any problem, any storm, whatever the power is, he's got more of it. And so he's just like, shh. So in Spanish, it's the same thing. You can, you can say things nicely, or you can say them with authority. And so you'd be like, siéntense, siéntense. Like, sit down, please. Sit down. Sentate vos. It's like, sit your butt down, now. And so that's what's like sometimes with, like with kids, it's like, please sit down, please sit down, sit down, please sit down. And then it's like, sentate vos. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll sit down. So it's like the same thing. And like, Jesus is just like, sit. Why? Because he's better. He's more powerful. He's got everything that we need and more. Ironically, this is what happens next. He got up. He, he, he calmed it, right? So the, the wind's down. The waves are down. And then listen to what Jesus says. He said to them, Why are are, not were, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Okay, so he's using present tense. The storm is gone, and the disciples are still afraid. And then the next verse, they became very much more afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, ironically, they were more afraid of the miracle than the storm. They were more afraid of the power within the boat than the power outside of the boat. Right? And it's the same thing for us. you like, this doesn't make sense. Well, let me explain it to you this way. If a storm rolled through right now and we weren't expecting it and then there's, like, thunder and it's, like, <laughs> some of you would be afraid, correct? Like, how many of you are literally generally afraid of thunder? Like, scares you, you don't like it, not a fan, okay? Okay, so some of you are, are not afraid and it's fine, okay? But I guarantee if, like, I was standing up here and I started to, like, levitate and then I turn Pastor John into a frog, I think everybody would be a little bit frightened, right? Because the supernatural is just kind of weird, and we don't understand it, and we can't control it, and so it's a little scary. That's the disciples. There's this storm that came up, and they're all, you know, needing to change their underwear. And then Jesus calms the storm, and they're like, yeah, I definitely have to. They're terrified absolutely terrified and jesus is like why are you so afraid because the presence of something supernatural normally brings more fear to humanity than even the most destructive natural disasters but they experience this greater power inside the ship that scared them more than the power they were experiencing outside and it's the power and the proximity of that power extremely close that is making them afraid But have they not seen the power of Jesus before? Yes, they have. So why now? And that's why Jesus is asking. Wait, why are you still afraid? Have you not seen this before? Are you not like registering what's happening here and who I am? Do you not have faith? Again, what he didn't say is, idiots, believe in me. No, he's just like, listen, they haven't realized that contrary to the force outside the ship that was going to destroy and kill them, the power inside the ship has the love and the desire to save them, to love them, and to give them a new life. The power outside the ship wants to destroy them. The power inside the ship wants to give them everything. And so there's this love and there's this contrary power that is completely different. So let's go back to that other guy. What's his name? Jonah threw himself into the water to save the, the rest of the ship. Very heroic, right? I mean, what a great guy. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Absolutely not. But he's like, hey, guys, this is on me. Just chuck me into the middle of the ocean, which is terrifying. right? I live on an island. Right? To get to the island, you have to get there in boat and to be in a boat in the middle of the ocean and then you hear that's no good <laughs> that's no good at all and now I actually like to scuba dive and um, so I know what's under the water and you know there's some cool stuff under there and there's some big stuff under there with giant teeth and like just being in the middle of the ocean that's just terrifying so, but Jonas is like just throw me in there and boom the storm ceased but was Jonah responsible for ceasing the storm no who was God, and the word of God is Jesus. With his authoritative word, the storms cease. So everybody looks at Jonah as a hero, but today we see that we have a better hero, far better hero than Jonah. We have one who offered to dive into the water of God's wrath to save not just the other people on the boat, but you and me and everyone for eternity. Jesus chose even though he was more powerful than anything and he could choose to do whatever he wanted, he chose to throw himself into the ocean of God's wrath. Why? So you didn't have to. So Jonah didn't have to. He chose that. He did that because he loves us and because he loves you. He used his power so that death destroyed him and not you. So he was on a plane coming over. Santi just slept for three hours. was fantastic. So I, you know, I got TV in front of me as I'm flipping through. I'm like, oh, Aladdin. I haven't seen the new Aladdin. I'm watching it. It's great. But it's so. It was it just my mind went back to this. It's so different. So the good genie, right? The good genie uses his power to what? Save Aladdin, right? Aladdin gets thrown into the ocean. He's dying. He like moves his mouth. He's like makes him sign a contract. And he used his own power for the sake of others to save others. Whereas the the other guy, um, the bad Aladdin, or the bad genie, you know, wanted to use his power to destroy. Jesus is using his power not to destroy, but to save us from destruction. Jesus is showing us who he is. He's not just a terrible power that we should all be afraid of, but he is love with power choosing to let us do his will. So what was the name of that other guy? Good, we're still with me. Thank you. Jonah spent three days in the stomach of a fish. And then And then he was just spit out, just puked up. Jesus spent three days in the stomach of the grave and of death. And then he walked out. He walked out on his own authority. God made the fish spit Jonah onto the ocean in vomit. Jesus moved the stone away and walked out victorious over death and sin. Jesus is better. Far better than Jonah, far better than Samson, than David, than Joshua, than every other person you can read in the Bible. Jesus is better. He walked out on his own in power and in love. Many of us try to live with our own strength, our wisdom and knowledge, but enough of that. Enough of that because it's not sufficient. It's lacking. Let him who came as a baby to live like you, to live like me, but perfect in everything, who can raise the fallen, who can heal the wounded, who can calm the storms, who sacrificed his life for you. He has all the power. So run to him. Trust him. Worship him. What else are you going to run to? What else are you going to cling to? What else is going to bring you the joy and satisfaction that only Jesus can bring? There is nothing, so worship him. Throw yourself down at his feet and thank him for diving into God's wrath for you, for rescuing you from eternal damnation and destruction. The storm of sin and of Satan is coming for all of us. But praise God that Jesus in his great love is more powerful than that. He's more powerful than that. And at the cross, that spell was broken. So we are good at bringing lists. We're good at complaining. We're good at demanding and assuming that this is what God's going to do but how good are you at just going to Jesus and saying, thank you, thank you, you're amazing, you're all powerful, you're, you're incredible, you are the savior of the world, there's no one like you, there's no one compares to you, you're holy, and so it's so funny, I have a friend of mine who, uh, he's a pastor down in South Carolina, he just made this quote the other day, he said, when I was a kid, I thought that singing, that heaven was just gonna be us singing to God forever, but the older I get, the better that sounds. Now, I don't think that's really gonna be the case, but if it was, it'd be fine, because he's deserving, because he's better. Turn to him, trust him. But maybe some of you in here today who say, you know, that's a good story, Ben. That's great, it's not for me, it's for my parents. I grew up in church, I know all that stuff. So, so what, so what, what are you gonna do? Who are you gonna worship? What are you worshiping now? what's her name, what's his name, how's that working out for you, there's nothing better, you'll never find anyone more than Jesus, so number one, what fear do you have, or have had, what problem do you have, or have, that you think is too big for him, that you think no, you know what, this one's, this one's on me, I I have to take care of this, no one can come in here, like a knight on a horse and just rescue me, yes he can, he's far better than any white knight you could imagine, what fear do you have? What problem do you have that you think is too big for him? It's not, okay? He can speak and it can go away. Maybe he's allowing it to pass so that you turn to him. Maybe he's allowing it to, make, maybe he's allowing it to pass so that you're growing as a person, as a Christian. Give your fears to him. Give your problems to him. They're not too big. Number two, read your Bible. <laughs> Get to know Jesus because the more you know him, I promise you, the easier it will be to worship him. The more you know him and see him for who he is, the more you will desire to worship him. The more you will be drawn to worship him because he's better. He's better than everyone. He's the better than your best gift. Jesus is everything. Number three, have you given your life to him? Is your life a walking worship service? Do you walk around... As an example of who Jesus is, right, so I had to come back, I had, one of the first things I had to do when I came back to the United States was go to the DMV, um, which is fantastic, in fact, I loved it, because it was actually a system in place that had, you know, like, reason, logic, Um, I only had to go to one place and not seven places, like in Honduras, and spend three weeks trying to get one piece of paper, and so it was awesome, I walked in, I was out of there in like 10 minutes, and so I got this, this license, and so people say, you know, I need, I need a, a, a photo ID of you. Now, this isn't me, right? This is just an image of me. This is a representation of me. I'm me. This is just a horrible picture of me. Um, so we are the same way. We are not Jesus, but we can be a horrible picture of Jesus. We, can, we are a fallen, sinful picture of Jesus, but the more we know him, the more time we spend with him, the more our hearts are inclined to worship him, the better More like Jesus would become. And so when people look at us, they're seeing a wonderful representation of Jesus Christ. There's no one and nothing in whom you can trust in that is better, that has more love for you, that has more power to do what he needs to do for you and to direct and protect your life. So what are you waiting for? Jesus is better. Jesus is the best. Go to him. Thank him. Worship him. Take your problems to him. Take your fears to him. And yeah, you can take your desires and needs and wants to him. He likes to complete those for you. He likes to give those to you. He's a good, good father. And so why would a father give a, servant, a, a snake to a, a boy who asks for bread? No, he wouldn't do that. He loves to supply your needs. He's providing your needs. So go thank him for it. Go worship him, not just during Christmas, but every day from here on out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being more than we could ever ask or think. Thank you for being our father. Thank you for being... He who controls our steps, our thoughts, our ways. Thank you for loving us and fa- in, 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 in being patient with us in our ignorance. Thank you for graciously having patience with us while we are trying to find our way. Lord, lead us to you. Lead us to the cross. Lead us to the throne where we can throw ourselves down and say thank you. Thank you for being better than anything else. In your name we pray, amen.